Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to talk about, well, heck, we're going to talk about what's on everybody's minds this week, the coronavirus. Now, recently unimprisoned from YouTube's algorithm blocker. So hopefully these videos will get shared a little bit more, even though we have said the forbidden word. But in all seriousness, the title of this video is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Coronavirus isn't good for anybody. We can't really joke around with anything that will kill a lot of people, will make a lot of people hospitalized. Otherwise, just give everyone a very bad day, whether you're a sports lover or anyone else engaged in any service sector that now doesn't have any of that kind of customer-facing relationships, tips, whatever it might be. Coronavirus in general, bad news for everybody. But with that being said, as a backstop, what happened this weekend is very interesting. Last week, I did a video called Reflections on a Changing World, in which I really tried to speak about positivity, about having a optimistic look, looking at the silver lining of what's going on right now. We had March Madness canceled. We had E3 canceled. We had virtually every concert and every other event canceled. We're now living in a world where we've got to act remotely for our workplaces, and if we can't act remotely, either our work is suffering or we have to go and we have to take these risks, and I think everybody's a little bit on edge about it. But one of the things I said in that video was, to some extent, we're built for this. We've spent decades working on infrastructure, working on entertainment, working on keeping ourselves sane, separate from each other in a way that I think a lot of psychologists think is unhealthy. A lot of the time you see papers about social media and about video gaming and about Netflixification of attention span and all those kinds of things a lot. But in this particular instance, in this particular moment in history, I think it's pretty useful that we can beam 8.5 years of content just from Netflix into our homes, that we can otherwise interact with each other on Skype or Zoom or on any of these other kind of technological fronts. But one of the things I also said is, hey, I love gaming. I'm a gamer. I suspect that a lot of people are going to be gaming. And I think that happened even earlier than I would have thought possible. If you look at some of the articles that came out earlier this morning, uh, it's record number of Steam users online during coronavirus outbreak. Now, that might not in and of itself make much of a difference to people because, hey, it was the weekend. I mean, we're talking about Saturday and Sunday. But even on the weekend, what you saw was a lot of people quarantining, a lot of people self-isolating, trying to bend or flatten this curve that I brought up just a second ago to try to keep the infection rate down below the level that the healthcare system in whatever country you find yourself can handle to have fewer infections in any given time frame that maybe, yes, makes the, the pandemic, the epidemic, the outbreak last longer, but ultimately doesn't overwhelm the healthcare system. And I think a lot of people took the advice to do that. And so what you wound up having is you wound up having, even on a weekend, even on a day when people would have ordinarily had gaming as an option because they're not at work, because they're not in their offices, more and more people were doing that because not only was work not an option, not only was gaming not forbidden, it was one of the only ways of actually interacting and having fun with other people, potentially. Xbox Live gets a lot of uh, slamming for what you will experience on any given game. I don't blame them. I often don't participate in group chats or things along those lines because I don't find them to be very helpful. But sometimes, if you're just going to be by yourself for long periods of time, 
it's nice to hear another person's voice, even if that other person is a raging narcissist. But on Xbox Live, you've got situations where you can talk to people. On Steam, you've got situations where you can talk to people. On Discord, whatever else you're doing. And in the game space, playing Fortnite, doing something along those lines, it very much kind of dovetails with what my experience has been in the sports space, right? I often joke with people who say, how can you watch baseball? It's so boring. And I don't necessarily disagree, except I find baseball to be a very useful reason for a couple of people, whether they're friends or family, acquaintances, colleagues, potential clients, whatever it might be, to go and sit at the park together and not feel lame about just having a conversation for three hours, right? That's a tricky thing to have a reason to just sit next to someone and to chat with them for a long period of time. It doesn't really happen at the movie theater because the lights go dark and you watch the movie. You have it kind of put upon you. And then if you're really good, you can go and you can have a postmortem or you can check out Hoag Law YouTube channels, postmortems after the movie and have that conversation with somebody about what you just saw, but not simultaneous to it. If you go to a ball game or in this particular instance, if you go and you play Fortnite, the entirety of your brain isn't necessarily engaged with what's going on. You go to a baseball game, people are swinging at a ball with a stick, and you're otherwise conversing with a family member that you haven't talked to in a while or a prospective client about how your businesses might synergize or what have you. It's the same thing with Fortnite or with Call of Duty or whatever your game of choice might be. And so it's not a surprise to me to see a big uptick in people going and seeking that kind of personal relationship out through video gaming, through what some people call the metaverse or the metasphere, uh, by talking to people on Fortnite and other things that don't necessarily require your full concentration. But it is a surprise to me that it happens so soon. I mean, realistically, all this kind of went down in the United States on about Wednesday of last week when everything started shutting down, when we started being told to socially isolate and things along those lines. The CDC issued a warning last night, Sunday night, saying we shouldn't have group get-togethers of more than 50. So, I mean, it's real. But I hadn't expected there to be this kind of upsurge over the weekend. Let's take a look at some of the more details here. This is Game Industry Biz. Record number of Steam users online during coronavirus outbreak. Leading online game services and platforms are seeing a surge of activity, likely due to people self-isolating or being quarantined to stem the tide of novel coronavirus COVID-19. Steam Database which tracks usage of Valve's marketplace, reports that there was a record number of concurrent online users over the weekend. Indeed, they did. If we go and we look at their tweet, Steam has just reached a new concurrent online user record of 20 million, with 6.2 million currently in-game. Now, that's an interesting stat in and of itself, right? You've got 6 million people playing a game, but 20 million people online in Steam. And now... I know that a lot of people use Steam and they just operate Steam, leave it on, and so that probably counts towards the concurrent number. But outside of those folks that just kind of leave Steam running in the background, I am interested in finding out more about what people do with just Steam on. If you're actually looking at it, you're otherwise interfacing with it, are you using its chat functionality, uh, either voice or text? What are you doing with it where 14 million people have it on, they are concurrent users, but they're not in a game? And I would be very interested to find out exactly how that uh, matches up with what the experience people had with Steam prior to the coronavirus outbreak, whether that's kind of normal, that only about 25% or a little bit more than it are actually in a game while Steam is operating. I find that fascinating, and I would be interested to know whether people are using Steam really in that metaverse context, even more so now with self-isolation and kind of trying to keep coronavirus at bay. 
Similarly, PC Gamer had an article here says Steam is a record-breaking 20 million concurrent users. One of the knock-on effects of people working from home and practicing social isolation as coronavirus spreads is that more people than ever are using Valve's digital gaming platform. A record-breaking 20 million concurrent users is counted by Steam database, 20,313,451 to be precise, with 6.2 million of those people in-game. A month ago, we at PC Gamer were all being very impressed when Steam hit 19 million concurrence. That's only a month ago. So that's a tremendous amount of growth uh, in terms of one month of time, to put that number in perspective. And as for the 6.2 million in-game, there were almost a million more players in-game back on New Year's Day 2018 when PUBG was the shiny new thing. So they're trying to put that 6.2 million in perspective. So almost two years ago, or getting close to it, you had more users concurrently actually in a game, which suggests that this number of concurrent users is suggestive of people that are turning on Steam and leaving it on for coronavirus or otherwise using text and voice chat features just to feel as part of a community so as to not feel so isolated. Social isolation, yes, in terms of touching and people around you, but not isolated in terms of psychology, in terms of spirit. And I really do think, going back to that video that I did last week, we live in a very unique time where we are specifically equipped to handle a lot of the psychological fallout of trying to undertake a social distancing or social isolation effort to this scale and this degree. That if you want, you can pick up your cell phone and you can talk to anyone. If you want, you can join them in a video game. You can even watch videos together through certain apps and try to have that experience. You can join in chats on Google Hangouts or on Zoom, whatever the name of their specific version of their application is, to have all sorts of people kind of join together, almost sitting around a digital round table. And I really do think that that's going to be a very useful characteristic of our modern environment for beating this thing. And I think we will beat it. I think everything will be fine in the long term. But I think it's very interesting to follow this as someone who's loved gaming his entire life to see this kind of happen in real time when something like the COVID virus breakout happens. Similarly, in Eurogamer, you see an article, Counter-Strike Global Offensive hits 1 million concurrent players for the first time. Counter-Strike Go, of course, being one of the more popular games in the world, but not so terribly new. Right, We saw in the PC Gamer article that when they're talking about concurrent users, they often talk about concurrent users playing the shiny new thing. Counter-Strike Go isn't terribly new. It says Valve's eight-year-old first-person shooter hit an incredible peak of just over a million players today, according to official Steam stats. That makes it the most popular game on Steam by some distance. Valve's MOBA Dota 2 is currently the second most popular game on Steam with a peak of 685,000 players. Battle Royale PUBG is in third with 525,000 players. CSGO's popularity has been on the rise for some time now and has broken its all-time peak concurrence figure a number of times in recent months. Current theories point to the shooter's swelling popularity in China. Now, worth noting, of course, that China was the first to experience the COVID-19 outbreak and so has been dealing with the kinds of things that we in the United States are only now dealing with for those number of months. As well as momentum gained from the move to, to free-to-play in 2018, coupled with the release of a battle pass in 2019. It seems likely the coronavirus outbreak, which has sparked a wave of self-isolation across the globe, has contributed to as people look for entertainment indoors. And you see a lot of these journalists coming to that same conclusion. Obviously, I've come to that same conclusion in this video. It's all speculative. 
right? We're all just kind of trying to take the data that we can see and analyze it in the world that we now live in. And it seems that at bare minimum, the coronavirus outbreak is having an effect on people's game usage. Certainly with Steam and CSGO and these other things that we can actually see the numbers, we have databases, we have these services that analyze. Unfortunately, and again, I named this video, you know, is Corona a good thing for games? Unfortunately, it might be too good, right? If any of you were on Xbox Live or on the PlayStation Network this weekend, you know all was not roses, rainbows, and unicorns. I've got here an article from The Verge that says Xbox Live service has been restored after more than two hours offline. This is just a representative sample, right? This is from March 15, 2020. This is from yesterday. But I experienced shutdowns on Xbox Live a couple of times in the 48-hour period when I was only interacting with it, which wasn't a lot of time over this past weekend. This Verge article says Microsoft's Xbox Live service was experiencing issues today meaning a lot of homebound people who are practicing social distancing weren't able to log into Xbox consoles. An interesting side effect to this for me is as a person that enjoys digital video streaming, having cut the cord a number of years ago, it also shut down access to like Hulu and Vudu and some other things that you could access through Xbox. They have it tied together in Xbox Live in a very unique way that I wasn't actually expecting or aware of before I tried to access them yesterday. So Xbox has some problems. If Xbox Live goes down in the midst of all this social distancing and social isolation, if you're otherwise trying to use it for another service that doesn't maybe relate specifically to video games, it can be a problem. So yeah, gamers and non-gamers alike are trying to use their Xbox in ways that are more voluminous than prior months or years. And so Xbox Live infrastructure, hopefully, will be able to keep up with that demand. I said, hey, we're built for this, but maybe not built exactly for this. And hopefully Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and Valve, if they ever wind up having an issue with their service, can deal with all of this, can deal with a lot more people wanting to interact with their service because I really do think video games are going to replace, for a number of folks, sports, for a number of folks, live TV, because they do have some of those qualities that are shared with going to a baseball game or sitting with your dad and watching a football game. If those options aren't available, I think there are going to be, at least on the margin, more people that are going to be interacting with these services. It's not just the teenagers or the college students that are home now that are playing Xbox. It's going to be more people looking for something more active than the mere passive entertainment, which is great, of Netflix and Hulu and HBO and Vudu or whatever it is that you find yourself watching. So I do think it's very interesting and it's going to continue to be very interesting to follow these kinds of things from a business perspective and to see exactly what changes Microsoft makes, whether or not their infrastructure can hold up. And it's not limited to Microsoft. I started with this article because they were the most publicized. I've got a Eurogamer article now that says Xbox Live struggled to cope with demand last night as social distancing pushes everyone towards online gaming. With the coronavirus situation worsening, and increasing numbers of people opting to stay at home. Online gaming is likely to be experiencing a huge surge in popularity. And judging by Xbox Live's problems yesterday, it's already happening. Around 8 p.m. UK time, again, it's a Eurogamer article, users started to report problems accessing Xbox Live services, meaning they could no longer access the online features in their games, or in some cases were unable to sign in. According to reports aggregated by Down Detector, this peaked at about 9 p.m. UK time and affected players across the globe. That actually matches up with the times we saw in the Verge article, the UK being about five hours ahead of Eastern time here in the United States. 
At this point, the Xbox support account tweeted to confirm it was investigating the issues, but it wasn't until 23.20 UK times, about three hours after, that the account tweeted again to confirm that the problems had been resolved. Head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, explained that Xbox had seen an increase in usage on almost everything, commending the work of the IT teams in managing to keep the services running. He also added that it was heartening to hear from so many people using gaming as a way to stay connected during these times. And I couldn't agree more with Mr. Spencer on this. I think gaming is going to serve a very, very useful purpose. And ultimately, if people do manage to socially distance, manage to socially isolate more effectively because gaming is in their lives, because they can have these things beam directly into their homes and not engage with other people, I think it's ultimately going to save folks' lives, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say about video gaming right? But we live in a very ridiculous time right now. And again, I'm an optimist. And so I look at this and I say, if these things can be effective, if Phil Spencer and his Microsoft IT team can keep their services running against load that they haven't seen before on their services, on their infrastructure, then more and more people are going to become engaged with that service. And more people are going to be able to withstand the need to go and see someone, to shake their hand, to be around someone else, because hopefully they can experience at least a portion of that interaction on the Xbox lives of the world, right? And I'm not sitting here and saying that it's a panacea. I'm not sitting here and saying that it's going to solve every issue for every person. And it's not a pure substitute for actually going and seeing someone's face, for going and being in their presence and in their company, having a hug, exchanging a handshake, whatever it might be. But on the margins, if it can be enough, if it can be just that little bit extra that keeps you from needing to go outdoors, needing to go and do X, Y, or Z, I really do think it's going to save people's lives and it's going to save people's sanity, if nothing else, to have one more step of being able to interact with people, to do something that people enjoy, and maybe to find something new that you enjoy if you haven't experienced video games before. Eurogamer continues, it's unlikely this will be the only outage we experience as demand rapidly increases for online gaming. In Italy, the school shutdown has caused a significant surge in internet traffic with kids turning to games such as Fortnite and Call of Duty for their entertainment. One Italian internet provider reported an increase in traffic of over 70%, with online gaming providing a big contribution. CSGO has continued to break records over the weekend, as we just discussed, hitting 1 million concurrent players thanks to a combination of rising popularity in China and increased numbers of people staying home. Personally, I can't wait to get snuggled up with Animal Crossing, which we'll talk about in just a second. But again, I didn't want you to be left with the notion that this was only an Xbox issue. I'm pretty platform agnostic. I love them all. And this was happening as well on PlayStation Network over the weekend. PlayStation Network servers down, players unable to play games with login errors and connectivity issues. If I could bring up the down detector image, which I can't because their website isn't interacting with mine so very well uh, this morning, it shows a huge spike in problems as their servers go down and all the people reacting to it. So Sony has their issues, Xbox has their issues, and yeah, as the Eurogamer article just finished, there's a little Nintendo game that's coming out at the end of this week that got a few good reviews. I've brought up Stealth40K, who I recommend as a Twitter follow, uh, if you're interested in anything Nintendo, who compiled all the review numbers here, and a lot of people really, really liked it. I know my daughter could not be more excited for Animal Crossing. I would have loved to have seen Nintendo release it early, like Disney released some of their movies this past week. But Nintendo is a part of this image 
because their online infrastructure is effectively brand new. Nintendo's not really known for online. Animal Crossing has some online features. It will be interesting to see if they experience similar problems. Certainly won't be the same volume of problems as the PlayStation Network or Xbox Live. That's really, I don't think, why people go and visit the Nintendo Switch ecosystem is primarily to play online with friends. But Animal Crossing coming out, having that new game get such good reviews, having so many people seemingly interested in it. I believe it's been the number one game on the Switch for months now, even though it isn't out until the end of the week, just because of the pre-order. And certainly we have it ready to go on our Switch here in Hogue House. But I do think it's going to be interesting as the weeks continue, as the months continue, to follow on with how gaming does, how their infrastructure does, how people interact with games, not just kids, not just Fortnite, not just CSGO, but how people who maybe haven't interacted with games before have and will start to interact with them as part of this social distancing, as part of this social isolation. So if you hear somebody on Xbox Live, if you hear somebody on PlayStation Network, or if you're just playing with someone on Animal Crossing, do assume, try to empathize with someone that maybe doesn't know where the X button is compared to the triangle or the Y compared to the X. We're probably going to get a lot of people that haven't really played games as much as you or I have. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think if we can help make it a welcoming environment, just like Phil Spencer, just like PlayStation, just like Nintendo, will undoubtedly be trying to do. We really can save lives in our own little way by trying to have gaming be as inclusive and as positive as possible. That's been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this video, we are talking about these kinds of things all the time. Please like, please subscribe, please share it with anybody you think might be interested, whether on NeoGAF, Reset Era, Reddit, or wherever you find yourself. I would love to have conversations with more and more people in the comments to my videos talking about this and other things. Otherwise, if you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.